What if everything you're searching for is already inside of you? Hi, I'm Cassandra Goodman, and I believe that true power comes from staying connected to who we really are at our core. This is a podcast about what it means to stay true to ourselves and why authentic leadership is such tricky business. You'll hear inspiring real life stories from big hearted leaders. I hope these stories help you to remember that true power comes from within. So today on True Power, I'm absolutely delighted to be talking with my friend, my mentor, and my co-designer for my program, Uplift, Richard Brisebois. Now, I had to practice your surname, Richard. We've known each other for many years, but I had to confess today, I wasn't sure, but how did I butcher? Did I butcher your surname? <laughs> <laughs> no, not completely. <laughs> no, it was per- perfect. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> <Ben>. French. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Richard, how do we even begin to describe the magnificent magnific- magnificence of, of all that you bring? Okay, so you're an executive coach and leadership development mentor. You have worked with over 7,000 managers, leaders, and business owners across over 40 countries. You specialize in team coaching and designing and facilitating leadership development programs. You've also been a visiting professor and guest lecturer at 12 universities across seven countries, delivering classes and keynotes in three different languages. You were born in Canada. You live in Miami. We met because the lovely Kelly Irving introduced us many years ago as focus friends, (laughs) which is a term Kelly uses to describe um, folks who are writing books that can support each other to keep going. And we were paired up through Kelly's wisdom and absolutely hit it off. And you've been an amazing mentor um, and supporter of, of my work as a writer and we then went on to co-design an authentic leadership program together, which you're offering in your neck of the woods and I'm offering here down under in Australia. Right. Uh, and I think it's also important to mention that you're a lover of language. And we've, <laughs> we, you know, we talk a lot about this idea of essence, who we are at our core. And would it be true to say, Richard, that if we kind of distilled you down to your essence, the key active ingredient would we would find would be musical in nature. Is that true? I think that's I think that's a fair depiction. Yes. Well, thank so. you. So particularly, much. particularly in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> we all sound good in the shower, don't we? <laughs> now, is there anything else that feels important to share with our listeners about your background and who you are? I, I no, thank you. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty good. Early early on, I uh, I early on I dabbled in real estate and in finance and in structuring and negotiating. Uh, well, I suppose negotiating deals and in, you know sort of uh, 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 leading investment projects, and I did that for a good ten years. Uh, and that's actually what, what brought me into, you know, getting curious about 
negotiation, interpersonal trust, and that's that's been the thrust with an H in there of mm. most of the things you've described afterwards. Yeah. Mm, it's a very unique blend. You, you, your musicality, your love of language, your financial <laughs> acumen, your amazing design skills. You know, I learned so much working with you to create a learning experience about how you design a learning experience to deliver on learning outcomes. I'll never forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so you bring a really rich and, and quite, I think, unusual blend of skills to the work that you do. Well, thank you for funny. saying that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna hold on to unusual. <laughs> unique. Maybe I should say unique. It's a, it's a unique combination. I'll take that unusual. I'll take that. <laughs> you like unusual. <laughs> so we, you know, we've had so many conversations over the years about this tricky business of what does it really mean to stay true to ourselves? And you mm -hmm. know, you've always brought so much wisdom and thoughtfulness to the conversations I've been lucky to, to share with you about about that and about what authenticity really means and how how we practice it in a world that's constantly trying to convince us to conform <laughs> uh, and so you know the first question I'm going to ask you today is if you might be willing to share a story or a little bit about a time in your life when you realized that you were not being true to yourself Okay. So full disclosure, I was made aware of the questions before we met. And I and I appreciate that you did for the following reason. So what was about to what was about to be a no um would be for me to struggle to come up with an answer. Uh, that would be what I think your question meant. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> so if you want to flip, if you want to flip that on its head, I mean, of course, when I'm in the room and, you know, we've designed a, a program together and we've talked about other possible collaborations, I'm going to go public and say, I hope this, this, uh, comes true in the future. Um, uh, it's it, there are tools we use in the room. There are tools we use uh, in in our in our programs and groups. Small groups are big, uh, and also in our coaching conversations. Uh, sometimes the you know the questions are not designed. They're not necessarily designed for content. They're designed to make people think. Uh, but you always see uh, you. Uh, always is a gross generalization but let's go with it you always see people trying to come up with the right answer to come up with the right answer to come to come up with it right away partly because that's what we do we don't give people the benefit of asking the question before giving them time to think ponder uh uh because they might be operating i'm not going to say at a different speed because if you open, if you let me open that door, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. They might be operating on a different time. Um, I think you and I have had discussion about how more or less solid the idea of introverts and extroverts. Uh, this, some of the science is 
I, I don't want to say iffy, but the, you know, different scientists will use the words in different ways, and then it's been taken over by the by the thought leadership circus in terms of it being whatever. Uh, but certainly around the uh, in the idea of introversion, introverts, and uh, sort of uh, what Susan Gale calls quiet, quiet people, right? She she broadens the 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 scope of that idea. That's often something we use in our conversation, something we use in the room to get people to think this very simple idea that not everyone's like me. I, you know, I'm, I might be the person who's quick to come up with an answer, whether I like it or not, whether it's the right answer or not. But if I'm asked for a quick answer, I'll give it. But there are people who need time to think. And it's, it. I don't know, it might be a, a simplified version of uh, some people will think before they talk and some people will think by talking um so often in in conversations or of course managers or business owners themselves but i think the same applies for parents and spouses and friends and uh sometimes our people we're going to call them our people the ones we work with the ones we live with the ones we love uh, some of them, depending on whatever that is, introversion, quiet, temperament, or the time they live on, uh, they need fair warnings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I and I and I think I'm one of those. Um, so let this be a let let's be an ad. Let this be a commercial uh, to your listeners. That if they, you know, whatever position they might be in, whether they're managers or, you know, the same happens with your peers. And as I said before, friends, the people you live with, the people you love, uh, not to expect of them that they operate on the same time that uh, that we do. Um, so this has been a long roundabout uh, answer to what could have been a three-word answer to to a good question and it could have been a three-word answer and i sometime sometime before sometime in the past i would have succumbed i think to the pressure of saying you know what i should be able to come up with an answer a three-word answer quickly clever uh and i should uh, but that's not really that's not really how i operate um so what I thought, and I'm hoping that might prompt the conversation you want to have, what I thought I would start with, with uh, when you were uh, asking me to think of an instance or of a moment, I thought, well, why not use this one? Why not use this very question that you asked um, uh, as, you know, if, as as being true to... I. I think I'm being honest. I'm being honest with self. I think I'm being honest with you. Uh, when I answer it the way I just did in 1,500 words <laughs> <laughs> rather than five. Uh, so I, so to that, I'd say, I, I don't know what, I don't know how you want to do this. I, 
I also we have to be mindful that it's it's your shows. So. <laughs> well, I love that. You know that this is a very um, unique take on this question. You know, everyone I've had on the podcast and every person I've asked that question to, without fail, has told me, "Wow, that really got me thinking." Um, mm-hmm. Some people, you know, include myself in this category, are pretty quick to say, oh, yeah, let me tell you about the hundreds of times when I've when I've betrayed <laughs> who I really am in order to try to conform to some external standard or ideal because I felt like I that's what I should do. Um, and, and certainly that's been my lived experience of there's, there's so many examples I can give you when I've showed up in ways that weren't really congruent with who who I really am because I felt like yep. I had to in order to be enough or to be accepted and or to, you know, to fit in, to be a good fit, as they say in the corporate world. Yeah. Um, there's other people who said to me, wow, I really, really had to have to think about that. And actually, as I really thought, there was this one time when I really and 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 for often people feel a little bit almost embarrassed to admit that I did this thing and really wasn't congruent with who I am. And then this the, now there's this new this new possibility of answer to that question, which, which is well, well, right now I'm noticing this dance between what I feel like I should say and what I really want to say. And um, in this moment, I'm, I'm noticing this pressure inside of me to give uh, a neat little answer tied up in a bow versus exactly. the the messy not knowing of the reality of my 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 thoughts on this and and so that's really interesting so so if i can just um ask a few questions there richard is can i then assume and i'm always careful to assume because that's the one thing i remember from my university degree is the lecturer writing up the word assume on the whiteboard and saying to assume makes an ass out of you <laughs> and me and he circled it <laughs> i'm a bit embarrassed to admit that's pretty much all i remember from a three-year degree <laughs> so you, you i'm, I'm going to assume here you can edit that you can edit that out of the oh it's true it was a degree in manufacturing out of the final cut so. <laughs> My current clients don't have to worry that I don't remember my manufacturing management degree. There you go. So I want to assume with some caution here, can we assume then that you can't, as you look back in your, your, you know, really um, long and really established career and all those moments you were lecturing and teaching and working with corporates and working in organisations, is it safe to assume then there's there's no... Uh, clear moments that stand out in your memory of moments when you realize, oh my gosh, why am I showing up this way? This is not who I really am. Is that a correct assumption? I, in, 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 in my case, I, so I would say the following, uh, what didn't come out in the introduction is my first degrees in linguistics. So yes, love of words, uh, and 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 not for nothing, as they say down here. Um, so my my initial reaction, because we use these terms and they're everywhere in the press, right? Leadership and autonomy and empathy and authenticity, um, and you put twenty five people in a room uh, who come eager to engage in a process with you to develop, 
right? Not just to learn a skill, but to let themselves be challenged, reflect on their reaction to the challenge, learn from the process, uh, and figure out how how that might apply to their lives, uh, personal or professional. And we all come with our definition. So we'll all say, uh, we'll all talk about leadership. We'll all talk about authenticity. We'll, we'll use the word and, well, this and that. And, you know, to be authentic, I would do this. Uh, without finding a common ground. And we don't, you know, we don't need to be the Oxford Dictionary. But for us to have a sound conversation about anything, we we do, and we don't have to agree on the definition, but we need to know what the other person means when they use the word, when they use that concept. Uh, so I think the answer to your question is I've tried to always be careful to def uh, the define at some point in the process, right? Sometimes you want to back into the you want to back into the definition, so you let people have their think and have their say, uh, and then and then you can sort of stir the conversation on the basis of of how you've used the term, and how does you know how does their point of view or their perceptions change if they look at it from this way. Or the other points of view in the room, and how might that be a cause for conflict or misunderstandings? So, I think what I've, I think what I try to do is eventually, and it's not necessarily upfront, is to have some clarity for myself in terms of what the terms are, but what the terms mean to me and how I'm going to use them. So I've, I'm I'm a little happy with myself that I was able to steer clear in my first 1,500 words of not getting into this idea uh, that I, I not struggled with, but worked on in an attempt to uh, come up with an answer, which is, which is not a small question, which is, what is the self? Mm. And... And okay, so some of the listeners at this moment are going to go, well, that's really philosophical. Well, whether it is, you know, call it Bob, if you want, you don't have to call it philosophical. But to be to answer your question, all of the uh, people who have come before me have had to define for themselves, either explicitly, or implicitly, what that word meant to them. So that's, that's one aspect that requires clarification, right? Like what the word means to you. And in that effort, the second aspect is uh, how, what is it not? And very often, because I was I was discussing with, uh, with friends, yes, we have these conversations, beer helps. Um, uh, and if you ask the question for some people being yourself or being a stranger to yourself or not acting in the way that would be aligned to who you are, uh, that takes them almost immediately to the moral plane. As you know, uh, did I, was it a good or a bad action? Rather than what I would call ethics, but then again, we'd have to separate terms, right? Mores, moral, good, bad. And ethics from ethos, which is sort of the the, the energy that 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 the direction that moves you, uh, 
which I think is closer because we've had this conversation before to what you mean. So, but I can see people who would answer the question, well, you know, what made me uncomfortable was I didn't want to do that because that's bad or that doesn't correspond to my values or it doesn't correspond to who I'm trying to be, not the current person, but the person, the, the person, the becoming person rather than the current person. Uh, so, uh, so that's now I've taken you, taken you another layer into the prep or how I think through things, including the question you were asking me, which is, I, I try successfully or not, but at least for myself to have a sense of what I mean when, right? Uh, self, yeah. self is a relatively new concept. It's a, it's a, it's a modern concept. Uh, there, there, there have been centuries of humanity uh, that have lived without the concept of self. It's, hardly it's a couple of hundred years old if that so there's a longer part of humanity and there's a vaster mass of humanity that has gone on with their lives like you and i without anything that has to do with what we understand or talk about and spend billions of dollars on which is you know self and authenticity and uh 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 so I think having having clarity for self is 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 a good first step mm. in, in any conversation or in providing any answer. Um, because you because you might be because you might be challenged, uh, or you might be curious of in terms of why sometimes in conversation you know we talk at each other without really connecting. We're using the same words, but we don't seem to be. Uh, and I'm not referring to agreement, but we don't seem to. Sometimes we have the intuition that we're not we're not talking about the same thing. We're using the words, but we're not talking about the same thing. And I'm sure you've done that, and you do that in your. I don't want to presume uh, that you do that in your conversations. Sometimes uh, in coaching conversations, when you know uh, people say they're struggling with, or this is an issue of. I think I think a worthy question to ask the the other person is, well, what do you mean by that? Mm. What do you, what do you take that to mean? Yeah. Uh, or or someone has been confronted by their boss. They've been confronted by their manager. They've been confronted by their peer. You know, you lack initiative. You lack. You're not aggressive enough. Uh, so then, then it's like a, it's it's like a, a derivative, right? First, we we have to have the person figure out what the other person meant. Mm. <laughs> took initiative or aggressive or whatever they were, what they took that to mean, and what do you take that to mean? Uh, to be able to arrive, uh, you and I have talked about uh, nonviolence and conflict resolution before. And that's that's certainly one of the premises of any conflict resolution. Uh, of course, is the ability to come to talk to what we want the outcome to be. 
but there are previous steps to that, which are the issues, right? The position is also predicated on, on the issues that are important to you. And they might not have anything to do um, with the words we're using. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think as you're talking there, Richard, it, it really once again strikes me, given your your expertise and your curiosity around linguistics is this you know so much depth and curiosity and how you think about um these questions and it's a a depth and a curiosity and you know the layers of this question that have unfolded in your mind as you've turned it over you know is really quite extraordinary because as you're sharing (laughs) the way you thought about this question I'm realizing new layers and depth to to the question itself. So this is a really valuable conversation for me. And if I could bring bring us back to what you said about ethos. So you define ethos as the energy that moves us. Is that correct? The energy that moves us. Is so, that what you said? Yeah. What I'm what I'm trying to what I try to do in everyday conversation with managers. Uh, so so um, so moral from mores is the Latin root, right? And ethics from ethos is the Greek root, the Greek root. Um, and for for reasons that are too long to discuss and that I'm probably not qualified to, uh, and it might have to do with separation of church and state, or it might have to do with our aversion with religion. Uh, we over decades now we're we're steering clear of the of using the word moral when we want to talk about good or bad we're trying to steer clear from that that this is just my sociological perception you don't need to agree with with me and certainly your listeners don't need to agree with me but i find that we don't use quite as much the expression well that's immoral then we use the expression that's unethical and well they might be taken to mean the same thing but if it's an aversion to religion and ethics existed way before (laughs) uh well not before any organized religion there's there, there was always some form of organized uh, religion with multiple gods or one or several. Uh, but at least these words and these ideas have coexisted. Uh, and and we did talk about, right, the Greeks, it's a Greek word. They talk about the ethos, it's the Nicomachean ethics of, of Aristotle. Uh, uh, so I'm, I'm when I have conversations with folks, is I, I'm always trying to make a distinction between if we were to use morality for what's good and bad, then what does what would we use ethical for? So that's that's so the the premise of of this inquiry for me is uh, uh, so 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 for someone who's engaged in organized religion and they have a code of I think they would call morality that's dictated by their God or their scripture or or some 
form, right? Some shape, whether it's words on a page or whatever the case may be. Uh, and that's what uh, allows them or, uh, to be able to say, well, this is good and this is bad. And in, in their everyday parlance context, they say, well, that's immoral, right? You should not. It becomes the should, right? And then it's the thou, uh, thou will not. Uh, or thou shalt not, right? Uh, so then, so then, what is ethos? So for the simplicity of the conversation that we're having, I've taken it to choose. Okay, well, if it's not about morality, as defined by a religion or uh, or a deity, uh, 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 then what do we take it? What do we take it to mean? Uh, so just for the sake of this conversation, I've taken it to mean perhaps something that's closer to what I thought is where you're trying to take your readers and try to take your clients and try to take your customers based on the conversations we've had, which is um, the, uh, how we feel. That's the premise of the question of the uh, of this podcast how we feel when we're not and then whatever the word is right aligned or in sync with uh or right on the x <laughs> right where the x and the y axes meet uh of who we are um so that's the distinction that's the distinction i was uh, trying to make and in so doing, I want to I want to give room for people who engage in organized religion. They're our clients. They we work and they're our friends, and we work with them. I want to be able for the two words to to live to live together and not get fudged into one another. So if if you have a code and that code is dictated by religion or some philosophy. That has you say, well, this is immoral, this is bad. Thou shall not do that. Okay. Well, I, I I want there for a person who thinks that or lives in this universe to also have room for what your books talk about. And I think what you are trying to talk about, which is, uh, I'm, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm giving my understanding of what you said and correct me if I, if, if I'm not there, if I'm not on, on uh, cue. Um, but I think what uh, the beauty of your work is it allows people uh, to think about, to think about uh, as simply as who they are. And there's something that I know you like to use the word resonate. There's something that resonates in as in physics, right? When the when the pains are in sync, they resonate, right? It's a physical uh, phenomenon. Uh, when their actions or their thought or their intentions, right, what moves them is aligned with who they are. Mm. Uh, uh, regardless of the morality of the action regardless of whether the code judge judges this or establishes this to be a good or a bad action or one that you thou shalt or shalt not perform mm. that's what i was that's mm. what i was trying to, to get at so i'm i'm not getting into because i'm probably i'm not qualified for that into the the 
the, the depth of, of ethics and ethos as per the Greek philosophers, but just, just for the work you do and for the people that we have conversations with in the context of coaching, for there to be enough room to distinguish without separating, right? You want to, you want to, uh, these two realities can live in the same person. They mm. can be religious and have a code, and they can also resonate when, because it's 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 not on that plane, it's on a different plane. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's a really lovely, um, really thoughtful um, illumination, questioning. Um, you know, line of discovery around the depth of this question. And I, and I really particularly love what you said when you said uh, this question, you know, does the, does the energy or does what moves me in this moment, is that, is that the thing that is moving me in this moment congruent, um, aligned to kind of the essence of who I am? That That's certainly the the way I have thought about that question in, in the work that I do. And I thought I might be relevant at this moment just to share that I ran um, the program we co-designed and then we uh-huh. both continue to iterate. I've been running it here in Australia with actually uh, the folks that published my second book, Hardy Grant. And they're okay. a fabulous bunch of leaders. And this week in our session, I asked them, how do you feel when you're free to be yourself? And again, I can see all the layers to that question. And, and it's interesting that when I asked that question, and it was just like a warm-up to the start of our workshop, just, you know, we this idea of a quality. Yeah, just to get the, the motors. Yeah, just to get the thinking. It was literally the warm-up question. You know, I try to start my workshops with this um, in the spirit of equality, which means I like to hear from every single person in the workshop before I start talking about my content. So this was my the the mechanism by which I wanted to hear from everyone. And so I asked the question without any warning, how do you feel when you're free to be yourself? And I ask everyone to participate by sharing just a couple of words. And within 30 seconds, these are the sorts of words that were coming through the chat. I feel elated and empowered. I feel energized and confident, lighter and happier, jolly and present, relaxed and calm, relieved and appreciated, empowered and strong, happy and calm, alive and activated. And so I think there's there's so much um, power in this line of self-inquiry and there's so much depth, there's so much nuance. And it, it strikes me also that when we ask people these sorts of questions about being free to be yourself or showing up in ways that are congruent with who you really are, there's a wisdom and a knowing inside of us that knows exactly what what we mean by that you know this this felt sense of you know this doesn't feel like me who I'm being what's moving me what I'm saying how I'm showing up how I'm thinking it just doesn't feel like me and um I I just yeah I wanted to share that because I I what I want to encourage listeners to do is to begin this line of self-inquiry yes it's it's it can be so deep and you know and for some of us including myself when we start to think about who am I really it can really go 
to the core of these kind of conditioned identities that we we find for ourselves you know who am I really I'm a high-powered executive or I'm a hard worker or I'm someone who always has the answers or you know these conditioned identities which are kind of a false sense in many in many um in many situations it's a false sense of self so to that uh to that which I think is a uh, 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 sort of an add-on to what you were saying earlier. So I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try this, and you tell me if it if it if it uh, if it works and if it uh, if it has room in your work. Um, when you were when you were talking about uh, you know what's the energy what moves me, uh, and am I being me? I think there might I think for for I think for people in general there's there's uh <clears throat> so from a linguistic point of view we use nouns and what I want them what I encourage people is to use verbs but that's not the issue. I think the the, the simpler uh, uh uh demonstration of that is am I is it me acting or am I reacting? Mm. And and I want to and I think that that speaks to what you were saying. We tell ourselves, or we hear people, our friends say, and they don't have to be deep conversations, right? We're we're just it's it's been a day, it's been a week. How is it going? Well, I had this you know altercation, or I had this and that, and I know I know I shouldn't have said that, but that was the anxiety talking, or that was my frustration talking, or it was right. Uh, and I think that aligns well with your work in in uh, in parts, and I'll let you discuss that if it does. But I I think there's a to the conditioning that you were talking about just a little just a little earlier before I tried not to interrupt, and I hope I didn't. Uh, I think it it uh, it doesn't need to be philosophical and articulate. And we don't let's not give it nouns. Let's let's work in the realm of verbs, of action words, right? People real we we realized that you know I spoke too soon. I spoke out of turn. And very often we have a sense of the fact that that was a reaction. It wasn't really I, I it wasn't me moving myself. Mm. Right? It a was a response from yeah, so it from was it was true, and, yeah. and we say that or we hear people say that it was mm. the anxiety I, and mm. uh, of course ownership of all of that right because emotions are things that again people have to agree but in in my world emotions are things that happen to us they're not us mm-hmm. and then us uh are uh, govern these well mm. but to, but to, to govern these, uh, we need, and it's not just you know self awareness. We need to be well fed. We need to be rested. We need to be uh, with ourselves, let alone with the stress that we uh, the stress that we feel from the from the environment. But I, I think a lot of the things uh, along the lines of what you're mentioning, I'm, maybe. I, I think in everyday words, we'd say that we sometimes regret, right? I spoke too fast. Mm. I shouldn't have said that. Mm. And they're not in the realm of morals. So you didn't do something good or bad. You just, ah, that wasn't, can I take that back? 
because one has a sense that no, that wasn't really me. And I think I think that simple distinction helps a lot uh, to what you were uh, saying before. It wasn't really I wasn't really acting. I wasn't in in full in full possession and in full government. It's not control of self, right? And, and I'm, I'm going to let you speak to that because that's it's it's you and it's your book. But this is not in the realm of control. It's not controlling yourself. It's being yourself. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that that we do that that are reactions to that emanate from from emotions. Or, uh, and you can speak a whole lot uh, better than I can on that, on undigested trauma or unmanaged, mm -hmm. un unspoken, unaddressed, uh, it, whether it's trauma or just frustration um, and the like. Mm. So I think sometimes just that idea of rather than say, you know, I'm a this and use nouns and I'm a that, you know, I'm a this and that. Uh, was I acting or was I reacting? Mm. And I think I think it's a, it's a very simple self inquiry tool that if oh yeah yeah no uh, if uh, you were reacting then to identify the source of the reaction and and in a lot of cases we know what it is it's it's yeah. uh, it's, it's it's some of the things I've, I've mentioned earlier and a whole lot more that you could. Uh, uh, but I'm I'm curious I'm, I'm curious whether uh, this also aligns with your with your work and what you're trying to get people to think about in terms of uh, be, because we use the self right because we use that expression and and uh, uh, but there's it, but it's a verb it's it's it 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 can be something very practical and very action oriented. Hmm. Does I mean, that yeah. give me some sense of whether I'm totally out in left field? <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I, like, as <laughs> as always, Richard, I feel like we could talk for a lot longer, but um, maybe to to wrap up at least this part of our conversation, because I, I okay. feel like we need to have a part two <laughs> um, right. to to be continued. Um, right. What I, I feel like what you shared is really enriched and challenged my own thinking on what does it mean to be true to ourselves? And, you know, I've spent, you know, five plus almost 10 years thinking deeply about what this really means. I mean, the way I have defined the practice of self-fidelity is the practice of being true to one's essential nature, one's true self. And so right. perhaps just to, to wrap up this conversation for today, uh, what you've helped me to think about today is a, a, a build or an alternative of that definition is the practice of self-fidelity is, you know, to cultivate this capacity to act or respond from who I am rather than react from who I feel like I should be or react okay. from a place of some conditioned self you know being the person with all the answers being the person that's always in control being the boss being the high-powered executive so I, I think clever or or clever so <laughs> I, I want to thank you for that as as we wrap up this part of our conversation right. that you've really helped to enrich my understanding of self-fidelity I, I i know that our listeners are going to get a lot of richness 
from even your generosity and sharing how you think, how you thought through this question in, in such a deep and thorough way. You know, if there was if there was a, a um Olympics for thinking deeply on this question, you would be winning the gold medal, my friend. I really appreciate the depth of all that you shared. And I, I feel like we're we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do a part two. So listeners, it's always stay, a pleasure. It's always a pleasure, Cassandra. It's not fair because we, we have way too much fun having these <laughs> conversations. <laughs> it's not fair to someone else. It's certainly wonderful for us to have these conversations. Well, so thank you for inviting me. Thank you for agreeing, Richard, to come along and share just a little tip of the iceberg of, of your wisdom and, and thoughtfulness. Um, I really appreciate your support, your partnership, your mentorship, your, your friendship. It's meant so much to me over the years, and I continue to look forward to having these um, confronting, provocative, thoughtful, deep conversations with you and, and hopefully sharing some more of your wisdom with the listeners of True Power in the future. Thank you Always so much. Always a pleasure, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you very much. By being true to our deepest selves, we liberate our highest potential and serve the greatest good. As the founder of the Center for Self-Fidelity, I am on a mission to help leaders feel more authentically empowered so we can co-create workspaces where people can thrive, perform, play and belong. Learn more at selffidelity.com.